Welcome to the Jack and John podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm John. And we're on a mission. To help you focus on Christ. Well, Jack, last time, you know, we, we got to talking about the mystery of God and, and how it's the revealed in us, uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And uh, it, it brought to mind um, some other illustrations. And w- one of the things that we're thinking about is how God speaks to us. Mm-hmm. Which is, um, in some traditions, a scary thing. Yeah. There are some church people that just wouldn't believe in anything uh, very supernatural. Okay. And that was kind of my tradition that I grew up in. It wasn't really spoken of too much about the Holy Spirit, his presence, and that he speaks to us. Uh, the emphasis was always on the word of God. And mm-hmm. that's the way God speaks. And, and he does. He does. But I think that we have a relationship with Christ. And I think that that's what um, he intended for us to have through giving us the Holy Spirit. And in that relationship, sometimes I think he gives you um, uh, thoughts, uh, inclinations, uh, brings things to your memory. Um, and I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I've heard some pretty reputable people that might have heard a, an angel speak to them or something like that. And I do not believe that that's outside uh, either the teaching of Scripture or the character of God to do that. Uh, we see the voice of God coming out of heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased at his baptism, at his transfiguration. And um, so, you know, I don't think it's uh, outside the realm. But uh, what I would say about that is be very careful that you don't wear that as a badge sure. of honor that, oh, God speaks to me. And sure. you know, then you start doing that. But yeah. absolutely uh, sincere Christians that uh, need something in the moment. And God provides it. When I was in Dodd City, Kansas, I had a very, very dear friend. He was the minister at the um, church just south of town in Dodd City. Uh, and his name was Jeff Hires. Jeff was a great guy, a good friend of mine. I really, really liked Jeff. He was cool. I thought he was pretty cool. And uh, he was a missionary for a time in Alaska. And uh, it was pretty much out in the out in the bush area. I mean, it was out in the no man's land of Alaska. And he was ministering to uh, Eskimo people up there. And um, they weren't near a doctor or a hospital, not near one. And uh, also there was a lot of uh, snow, obviously, in Alaska (laughs) that uh, would debilitate your your travel. And uh, his little baby boy got sick. And uh, this is why I'm telling you this is because Jeff is such a reputable person. And uh, they, he was sick with a fever, and I can't remember the, the number on the fever. It would, would shock you. I remember being shocked by how high the little boy's fever was and uh, how deathly ill he was and how they felt that he was near death. And uh, prayed fervently for that little boy and Within five minutes, the fever broke and the little boy was well and never got sick again. I mean, you know, of of the same kind of thing. And I believe what happened was they couldn't get to a doctor. They couldn't get to a hospital. They couldn't get anybody to them. They could do nothing but pray. And God answered that prayer immediately and healed that little baby boy so that he could, you know, live and have his life. 
Why does God answer prayer in certain circumstances, not in others? I have no answer for that. But I believe that he can. And if I didn't believe he could, I wouldn't pray for the sick. But I believe God could heal because he is a loving God. And that may be his will. And when he heals, I believe he can do it. And he does it. I've seen it happen. And I believe that he can speak to us. I think that he's involved and engaged with his children, with his people. Very much, very much. Um, I think that there's a a difficulty in the whole thing with this idea of God speaking to Mm -hmm. you and, and, and through you, because I know growing up in church, it's easy for people to get the idea that, Oh, back in the in those days, you know, God did all of these things, you know, and they worked all these miracles and whatever. Well, when we're reading this book, I mean, it's it's condensed. We, we've got thousands of years condensed into these pages. OK, it's, it's not like all those miracles were happening all of the time. There were gaps. I mean, think about the children of Israel. Four hundred years they're in bondage. In Egypt. And didn't hear from God. Didn't hear from God. That's 400 years, okay? This is America, okay? And as of this recording, it's 2022. So we've got, uh, what is that? Four years. We've got four years until uh, we're 250 years old, okay, as a country. We're talking 400 years, (laughs) 400 years of slavery. Um, You know, where's God speaking? Where are the miracles? Right. The the point that I want to make out of this is, is you don't have to hear the voice of God for God to be there. Right. You don't have to feel something for God to be there. Uh, And I do think part of the reason why some, some pastors and theologians have gotten this idea that you know, it's like God's asleep on the miracle scene right now is, is because they've never experienced anything like that, you know, and maybe the, maybe the children of Israel were the same way when they were in Egypt, Mm. you know, is God, God's asleep. What's going on? You know, the disciples were kind of like that when, when Jesus was asleep on the boat, you know, there's a storm. Um, is God asleep? Well, yeah, <laughs> he's asleep in the stern. Grab the rudder and do something. So why do we but, think he doesn't care because yeah. he's asleep? But the point, the point is God still speaks to us right. even, in the, even in the silence, okay? Sure. But there are moments that happen that just seem irrefutable to me where God has spoken. And I, I, there were two things that came up in our last talk. One of these ideas came to me and, and I wanted to share it. And I want to share a story of, of my mom, uh, too, where they heard God speak. Okay. My, my parents, um, when I was a little boy, uh, they became missionaries and, uh, we went to Africa. That wasn't the plan. The plan was to go to Burma my parents wanted to be missionaries in Burma. Well, the timing didn't work out because there was a military coup and they kicked out all the missionaries. There was a, one of the friends that they had who was a missionary there and that this family fled to, uh, to Thailand and they still did work in Burma, but they did it through Burmese 
people because they couldn't go back into the country and uh, so they'd have these folks that would hike over the mountains and such and then uh, they'd have Bible training and, and uh, you know give them materials and, and, and food and support and, and send them back into uh, to Burma but it's a really difficult time and this minute this missionary was really struggling and wondering if if God was there with them and supporting them and he'd had a division with uh, one of the other missionaries and they'd kind of parted ways because they had different thoughts on this kind of subject mm. because the one believed that you know the the miraculous gifts you know ended mm -hmm. and for whatever reason you know um, and and this guy was experiencing these things um, and God was working with him in a different way. So during this time, he gets a call, a phone call. You got to understand, you know, this is over 50 years ago. I mean, not 60 years ago. You didn't get long distance calls to Burma. Okay, because making a call was was awkward yeah, and difficult. Sure. You had to go through multiple operators. I mean, it might take 20 minutes to get connected, to connect okay, um, and then that's the, if the person's around the landline, um, you know, he didn't have email, didn't have any of this stuff, and so but he gets a phone call from this woman in Ohio from a church that supports them, and she says that she felt like God was telling her she needed to call and encourage him. Now, the kicker is in this phone call, she spoke to him in Rwang. In a foreign language. Yeah, and not just, not like a foreign language you could go look up Rwang. on the internet. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> have you heard of that language? No. You know, if, if you live in Indianapolis, you've heard of Chin, because yes. we've got a, the largest Chin population in the world, outside of Burma, is in Indiana. These are, these are Bur Burmese people. Rwang is another tribe, and the Bible hadn't even been translated into Rwang. In fact, when they first was... met this tribe, they didn't have a written language. The missionaries created a written language so that they could then teach them how to read and write and translate the Bible into their language. And this woman speaks to him from around the world in a language she does not know and has no access to. But God does. Yes. The Holy Spirit does. Acts 2, speaking in tongues, speaking in other languages. Yeah. So she spoke encouragement to this man. And uh, now another interesting tidbit, he and one of those Burmese missionaries, um, this short little guy, his name was Sin Dong. He didn't know how old he was because they didn't have any birth records. So when he we got his passport and stuff, they had to, they had to just pick a, pick a birth date. <laughs> yeah. But he was, he was a neat guy, and uh, they translated the book of Psalms in my parents' basement. They translated mm -hmm. it into Ruang. Wow. Yeah. But anyhow, can I tell my mom's story now? No. No? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Well, absolutely. But, you know, my mom and dad, this was back in that time when they were leading up to becoming missionaries, and... Um, my mom was raised in the non-instrumental Church of Christ. I'm I'm not bashing the the non-instrumental Church of Christ, um, not not in the least. Um, at at the same time, 
I don't think you have to belong to that particular branch of the non-instrumental Church of Christ to, to earn your way into heaven. That's just not how it works. But the church that my mom grew up in, if you didn't believe the way they did, they thought you were going to hell. Okay. I had relatives that thought we were all, probably some that still think we're all going to hell because we sing with instruments um, or, you know, whatever else stuff we do. I don't want to get into that stuff, but my mom is really struggling with this because it's kind of like leaving your family behind because she's thinking about leaving Church of Christ to become part of the independent Christian church. Okay. And she's... She's a secretary at the time, and she's sitting there just working at her desk, and she's at home. There's no one at home. It's it's just her. And she hears a voice as as plain as day that says Isaiah 5410. A passage of Scripture. Yeah. She's looking around. Of course, I mean, I'd be a little freaked out here to hear a man's voice, you know, if I'm, I'm a woman sitting by myself in my own house. Uh, although it's passage of scripture, that might not be as, be a little as bit scary. Uh, but I, th- I think about Samuel, you know, and when he, mm. he thinks Eli's calling out to him and Eli, yes. Eli yeah, says, yeah. you know, well, the no, next time you hear the voice, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway, so she goes back to what she's doing. And then again. Isaiah 54.10. And this is what the passage says. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Those were the words my mom needed at that moment. So if you go to a different flavor church, it doesn't mean that God's compassion won't go with you. Right. God's presence won't go with right. you. Right. That's a, that's a corroboration of, yeah. of love. Good. So God, God speaks to us in different ways. Yeah. In um, 2001, I can remember very specifically for a specific reason, in uh, July and August, around August of 2001, um, I woke up one morning at 3 a.m. We had a digital clock next to the bed, and it was 3.00. And I looked at 3 a.m., and I was wide awake. This is back when I used to sleep all night. And so waking up at 3 a.m. was a little unusual. And so I got up uh, because I just couldn't sleep. I was wide awake. And, and I go downstairs, and there's nothing on TV at that time. Uh, just nothing <laughs> at all. So, kind of like now. Yeah, see, that, well, that would have been my first thing. Okay, I'm up. I'll turn on the TV, right? And, watch it. and uh, so that didn't work. So I'm down there and I'm going, what am I going to do? I'm wide awake. And a novel idea came to me. I'll read the Bible. <laughs> so, so I started in a great place. I, I started Matthew. Okay, so I'm just reading Matthew. And it just was kind of vibrant. You know, the Word of God just was kind of really speaking to me. And I, I thought, that was kind of cool. And got a little tired and went back to bed. Next night, 3 a.m., 3.00, I woke up again. Okay, I got the Bible in my eye. I'm telling you, 3.00. Woke up wide awake and I went, okay, that's odd, right? So I said, I'm going to go read the Bible. So I went back down and I uh, this time took a pad of, of paper and pencil and started back where I'd left off in Matthew. 
and um, started jotting down some notes, and I was pretty excited, okay? And uh, so the next night, three zero zero, I woke up again, third night in a row, and then I was a little bit freaked out, okay, because that was just a little weird. Okay, I'm going to go down and read the Bible again. So I go down, I open the Bible, and that night I got to Matthew chapter 23. Are you familiar with what's in there? That is Jesus' woes to the Pharisees, okay? Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You're like whited sepulchers. You're clean on the outside, but you're full of dead men's bones. I mean, Jesus just said some scathing things to the hypocrisy of the hypocrites. Well, as I was reading that, God began to apply that to me. I began to apply that to me through God, I believe, through his word, just really speaking to me. And I saw myself as the Pharisee, as the hypocrite, as not totally giving my heart to God. And this is kind of a confession. I haven't really said this, I don't think, too much out loud. Uh, but I broke. I mean, I broke down. It was like a, it was like Peter looking into the eyes of Jesus when he denied him for the third time, and he wept bitterly, went outside the city. And I, I began to weep bitterly. 3.30 in the morning, and I'm downstairs in the house just crying my eyes out. And uh, first thing I did was get a tissue of paper, a box of tissues, because when you cry like that, what else happens? You got to blow your nose. So I'm blowing my nose and throwing it away and wiping my eyes and throwing it away. Then it was getting ridiculous to me. I was just sobbing and crying. I could not stop. And so I went into the bathroom. I was splashing water on my eyes. I could not stop. And finally at 5 a.m., and I remember it was exactly 5 a.m., I sat down in my chair in the living room, and my wife came downstairs. That's when she got up. Her alarm went off at 5 a.m. And when she came down the stairs, she looked at me in my chair, and she literally ran across the living room floor and jumped into my lap. And she told me she thought I was having a heart attack because I visibly, I visibly looked. I don't know what I looked like, but after crying bitterly for two hours and I was exhausted, she thought I was literally had had a heart attack and she ran across and jumped. And I finally got that's myself. That's what you do when your husband's having a heart yeah, attack. Yeah, jumps on you. you. Jump on him. <laughs> that's exactly what she did. She jumped on me. <laughs> And uh, so, I, you know, it kind of startled me. To, and I went, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm going, I'm okay. You know, and so I, I kind of told her, well, I believe that God was breaking me. It was a watershed experience yeah. for me. It was a growth time yeah. in my life to really probably for the first time to see myself for who I really was. In other words, God revealed my true heart. And I didn't see purity and holiness. I saw my sin. And when I saw my sin, I broke and um, just cried it out. And for a period of time, I felt so close to God. I really did. And things were changing around me. And I was praying more. And I was just so focused in on God like never before in my life. 
and uh, went for a while like that. And then about a month or month and a half later, I was walking out the back door of our house. And I'll never forget this, John. Uh, Karen, my wife, walked over to me and she said four words. She said, take me with you. So what I was doing was I was getting closer to God. Things were changing around me. Things were changing in me. But I wasn't including her in it. And so then came a season of being the spiritual leader of my house. Of um, beginning, We began to share together and uh, things were getting real well. And I thought there was a specific reason this was happening to me. And it wasn't for the reason that happened because in November the 14th, uh, she died of a brain aneurysm. And I don't know whether he was preparing me for that or what was happening, but um, that ushered me into a time where I went to Florida and spent a week in solitude and just walked the beach where I grew up and just read the Word of God. And uh, sometimes in your life, the sufferings and the difficulties are great. And I think sometimes God needs to clean you up and get you to the place that you can walk through it, that you can go through it with him. And so I believe that the Holy Spirit that dwells in me woke me up at a specific time to get my attention, to show me that it was him. And then he led me to the place that he wanted me to go in his word. And he spoke to me and he broke me. And um, he prepared me for what I needed to walk through in those coming days. And if that's what I believe. And uh, there can be doubters and skeptics, and that's okay. Sure. Don't believe in me, uh, you know. But uh, certainly I do encourage people to seek God in a way that um, draws you closer to him. Uh, we used to sing, draw me close to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to sing, this is the air I breathe. Uh, we used to sing songs that spoke of um, drawing into the presence of God. We used to sing about the Holy Spirit, melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. And uh, that should be our prayer, you know, that, in, that God make us into the people that he wants us to be, even if that takes a breaking and a filling. Um, so that we can then live a life that glorifies him. Because that's what it says, Christ in you, the hope Amen. of glory. So, Amen. Jack, that's beautiful. Um, you know, we started out talking about uh, the 400 years of captivity. And the reality is sometimes God speaks to us in the darkest moments. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's when he gets our attention. Yeah. (laughs) One thing I would encourage you, if you don't feel God speaking to you, you don't hear God speaking to you, don't let that stop you from speaking to him. Amen. We all need to pray and invite God into our heart, into our lives. um, And we need to set our focus on him. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He created us. He sustains us. He's got purpose for us. He's our beginning in our end we need to let him fill up the middle (laughs) you know um, 
Love you guys. I just hope and I pray that the, the words that we share uh, are from the Spirit and that they speak to your heart uh, and that they do help you draw close yep. to God and realize that He is the air we breathe. Um, Focus on Christ today. Amen. We'll see you next time. All right.